Hello, everyone, and welcome to part eight of the NBP Film Awards. I am your host, Matt Neglia, part of the Next Best Picture podcast, here to bring you the categories of acting. This week, we are recapping Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, Best Actor, and the Best Ensemble of 2016. It is a full house today. We've got everybody on board to discuss this week before we head over to our worst and best of lists of 2016 next week. So stay tuned for that, but let's get everybody in here right now. We have joining us Mike Vermette. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. And Will Mavity. Hey, guys. So let's get this out of the gate here. We have a, quite a lot of categories to talk about. I'm sure there's definitely going to be some crossover. Let's start off with Best Supporting Actress. And we will begin, ladies first, Kristen Lopez. Okay, so my number five is Felicity Jones for A Monster Calls. Yay. Yay. Um, I think this performance just devastated me. It's easy to play the dying mom with cancer and just naturally be sympathetic. But I think Felicity Jones looking so young and having just seen her in something like Rogue One and seeing her so full of life, especially in flashbacks the movie provides, it's definitely a change of pace. And every time you see her, you know, it's just a character trying her damnedest to present some type of normality for her child. And you can definitely understand, again, why you don't want this character to die, because she's a good person. She's, you know, a young woman. But I think Felicity Jones creates some added sympathy to the role. So it's an easy five, but regardless, I really enjoy her in the movie. Number four uh, is Lupita Nyong'o for Queen of Cotway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, again, She's great. I, I've mentioned that I think this film got the shaft when it was released. And Lupita Nyong'o, again, you can kind of see, like, mothers kind of dominating um, my, my first couple of slots here. But Lupita Nyong'o, always fantastic. I think here... This has been a great year for women, and I hate to use the term strong women because it's such a become such a reductive term, but Lupita Nyong'o, I think, embodies the character of this tough-as-nails mother who's making her best for her children, especially uh, in extreme poverty, without it being written incredibly condescendingly. Uh, and I think Lupita Nyong'o shows a lot of perseverance, a lot of tenacity, and I just love her so much. I love the whole movie, but I think she really steals the show. I'm glad to see that they finally um, delivered upon um, the promise that was 12 Years a Slave with her. Yeah. And so I'm glad to see that she's finally starting to get more roles. Yeah, even even in a small voice role like in Jungle Book, I think she's really great. She's able to convey a lot. My number three, we go from good mothers to, like, kind of shitty mothers. Uh, it's Laura Linney in Nocturnal Animals. Oh, my gosh. That scene. I just rewatched this, like, two days ago because reasons. And I I was so in love with Laura Linney. I, I think she was great when I first saw the movie, and she's great when you rewatch it. And watching it, I think, 
more than once, you really notice kind of the depths of that performance, which could have been very, very one note. And Laura Linney just has this coldness to her, but it's obviously a, a coldness that has come from years of expectation and having to probably hide, you know, this wealth of emotions that you can just kind of see bubbling under the surface. And she's got fantastic chemistry opposite Amy Adams. It's one scene, but it's just, it's well-written and it's beautifully executed by Laura Linney. I think it's great. Nice. Uh, my number two is Riley Keough from American Honey. Oh, there we go. That's a name that I was not expecting to hear. Yeah. There's like a lot of people online who are obsessed with that performance. I <laughs> I am one of them. <laughs> um, I, I think Riley Keough is fantastic. Again, a lot of the roles I think could have been written very poorly and performed very poorly with a, a weaker actress and Riley Keough kind of plays, if this were like a classic film, she kind of plays the the huckster. You know, I, I kept thinking like if this was the 1960s, this would be a small role played by like Burt Lancaster, where it's just hmm. supposed to draw the audience in. You're supposed to be enticed by these characters, especially Riley Keough, uh, who kind of promotes herself as this one woman business, uh, one woman uh, kind of entrepreneur and you know it's easy to see how this character has become this manipulative um person that's just trying to to get hers before everybody you know makes theirs and i just i think she it's a fascinating character that is mysterious but at the same time it's a character that you know you know you've seen these kind of of manipulative um con con men or con women that don't really care what they're doing. It's just all about the cell. So I love Riley Keough in the movie so much. Um, and my number one is Abby Lee from The Neon Demon. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I Okay, well, I love Neon Demon, so I make a lot of excuses for it. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think Abby Lee is really great in the movie because, I mean, the entire movie is about the obsessions with beauty and the links that that women will go to predominantly to be considered beautiful. Abby Lee's already beautiful, so she really doesn't need any added help in that department. But I think it's just watching her kind of stalk the frames in the corner. You know, she's always just looking like a panther waiting to strike. And at the end of the movie, when she commits to doing something just horrifically disgusting, oh my god, I, I... thought it was fantastic i i'm sure somebody's gonna say it's not that special um but i still just i love it so much that was your chance to sell me um on the performance Uh, especially if this was like pre-oscar season and you were trying to like get her traction in the awards it's not that special (laughs) i disagree I, i haven't seen it yet who's the supporting actress that usually gets talked up in there uh, G- Jenna M- Malone. Jenna Malone, yeah. But th- I think that's because she has a very gratuitous yeah. shocking scene of some sort that's very memorable. Yeah, um, and I just wasn't I, there for I, that. I understand Abby Lee from the standpoint of she gives like these glaring looks a lot to um, Elle Fanning's character, and she's just always looking like she does have something going on in that twisted, messed up mind of hers, and it doesn't really come to fruition until the ending, like you said, Kristen. Um, and, it, and of course, in a gruesome, shocking manner. But 
I, yeah, I, I'm not so sure. Uh, that performance didn't really connect with me on that level. Just like kind of like the whole movie in a way kind of failed to. But Boo. hey, <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. It's just one person's opinion at the end of the day. Um, all right, let's move over to Mike Vermet. Alrighty, so best supporting actress. Um, my list is a little similar to uh, to Kristen's. I have a couple of crossovers. So my number five. Oh. Is uh, also Felicity Jones for Monster Calls. Yes. Preach about this movie. I thought Felicity Jones had a fantastic year just in general. I mean, I think she's great in Rogue One, um, but I think that she steals pretty much every scene she's in in Monster Calls. Um, she's does that thing where actors transform themselves into something other than what they you know actually look like, and she really looks like you know someone with cancer. And, you know, I commend her for that. And she really is an amazing mother to this child who's trying to shield him from the horrors of what's coming. Um, and I, I think every scene that she's in, she's excellent in it. So, um, yeah, huge fan of her performance in that movie. Uh, number four, I have Tilda Swinton for Doctor Strange. Yes, best performance in the movie, in my opinion. Uh, mine too. I think she's fantastic. I think you know. Wait, her best performance ever? No, no, no. Yeah, best performance in that, in that movie. Like I was, I, oh, I was okay. genuinely surprised that she. And I shouldn't be surprised because it's Tilda Swinton. But I'm surprised that she actually tried to give a, a layered, commendable performance in a Marvel film. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant, like, best of her career, and I was like, uh, okay. (laughs) No. No, I thought she was, you know, huge in that movie. I thought she was great. And she took a character who is pretty bland on the page and is just a, you know, old Asian dude. And she turned it into something much more. Uh, You know, she's wise beyond her years. And she is also hiding, you know, secrets and can kind of be badass. And I loved that performance. I thought she was great. Um, In a role that, in other hands, may have been kind of bland and one note. She made it, you know, her own. Um, Number three, I have Riley Keough as well for American Honey. Ah. Um, Kristen, you know, spoke at length. So I don't know if I can top that. But uh, I just thought she was fantastic. I, you know, again, she was kind of that, like, huckster almost, and she is playing everyone to a certain degree, and she's only out for herself, but she's a character that's so compelling and, like, so good to watch, and she is almost the villain if the movie has a villain, Um, but she does it so well, and she's, like, perfect in that role, and she, uh, I'm a sucker for this, I know most people hate it, but she's the only character to say the movie's title, so I think that's pretty cool. Yes, that's so cool. Hate that. It depends on that. it depends on how it's executed, but I I like it in in American Honey. I think it works. Yeah, I think it works so well. Um, my number two, I have Michelle Williams from Manchester by the Sea. Yes, I was surprised at how little Michelle Williams was in this movie, being that she's on the poster and she's in like the trailers and stuff. Um, but she's an actress that really shows that you can do more with less. She's actually her best in roles where she's in just a couple of scenes, and she proves that so well in Manchester by the Sea. I mean, every scene that she's in, she steals it. And that conversation that she has with um, Casey Affleck towards the end of the movie is award-winning for me in and of itself. 
I think it was one of the best scenes in a movie, you know, all year. So I think she's fantastic, top to bottom. That's an interesting point, too, that she's at her best when she's in small amounts of a film. Because I was thinking back to Shutter Island, where she basically... She's in it very little. Like, one scene, and she is incredible. Even in, in Brokeback that. Mountain, she's incredible, and she's not in that movie a whole lot. Yeah. And that was her first nomination in Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, so she she's an actress that really knows how to do less, you know, more with less. And I, I think that's, you know, worthy of an accommodation. I mean, but then when she gets her own movies, too, she does it well. I mean, oh my God, absolutely. Marilyn is not great, but I think she's terrific in it. But she she's is. the best part of that movie, by yeah. far. And Blue so Valentine, she's really, she's And obviously incredible. Blue Valentine. Um, and, you know, shout out, I'm a huge Dawson's Creek geek, so <laughs> I like her in that as well. I was going to say, Michelle Williams will always be, if anybody saw the movie Dick with her and Kirsten Dunst, <laughs> that's my Michelle Williams right there. 1999. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good times. Who's number one? It's it's pretty obvious, I think. Yeah. My number one is Viola Davis for Fences. Nice. Um, she's fantastic. She's the heart and soul of that movie. Uh, you know, Troy, Denzel Washington's character, is such a ginormous douchebag, but <laughs> she still puts up with him. And takes his crap and, you know, spoilers, raises his illegitimate daughter. So she's awesome. And, like, I love that character. And she was such a warm character. And even in the scenes where she's, like, you know, screaming and yelling at Troy, he totally deserves it. And she kills every scene that she's in. And I don't think any many actresses can go toe-to-toe with Denzel Washington at his best and almost stand superior. So... Huge bucket of win for her. She's fantastic in that movie. And to me, in my opinion, she should be in the best actress category. Yeah, she could have won there. I mean, we've discussed it before, but it, like I think most people would agree she probably would have won had she gone lead, and it would not have been category fraud. No, not at all. Yeah, I agree with that. And she won the lead Tony as yeah, well. Yeah, she's as lead there as she was in The Help. I mean... It's pretty unequivocal. It really is. Yeah. Um... All right, Michael Schwartz, what do you have for Best Supporting Actress? Okay, so for Best Supporting Actress, my number five pick is one we just mentioned, but I'll say it again. Michelle Williams in Manchester by the Sea. Woo, yeah. Nice. Not a ton of screen time, but my God, she emotes such heartbreak and grief uh, in just this one scene towards the very end of the film with Casey Affleck. It is emotional powerhouse acting to the nth degree. And it just proves, once again, why Michelle Williams is one of the great, uh, I don't know if I would call her a character actress, but she always puts in these uh, performances of uh, emotional characters, but they're always a little different to an extent. Uh, She's one of the best, and I think she's uh, just fantastic here in Manchester by the Sea. Probably would be the Oscar winner, too, if Viola Davis were in lead. Mm -hmm. So... We talked about her before. We'll talk about her again. Michelle Williams, totally deserved. Number four, somebody who I wish were in the Oscar race, and I think they actually came closer than we may have thought, is Greta Gerwig in 20th Century Women. Yes. Oh, thank God somebody mentioned this. I've always loved Greta Gerwig going back to Greenberg and Frances Ha, her Noah Bumbach films. Uh, She's always this really quirky screen presence, you feel a lot of her being put into these characters. And with 20th Century Women, I was very impressed because she didn't seem like she was playing herself. She felt like she was playing this new type of character who was very artsy and uh, liberal, like I'm sure she is. 
But she also had this emotional center to her, which we don't usually see, and it's probably the meatiest thing she's done so far. So I was just really impressed by what she was doing with this performance. She had such a good year this year, too, between that, uh, Maggie's plan, which wasn't that great overall, but she was fantastic in, and even, like, you know, her bit part in Jackie. Like, what a good year. I'm glad she's finally getting the recognition she deserves, even if she's not gotten that Oscar nomination yet. Yeah, and I could see her getting in one day for screenwriting, because she wrote Frances Ha. And, Mm, uh, oh my god, Mistress America, too. I love that one. She's on her way. So... Yeah, she's definitely one to watch. Always love Greta Gerwig. Number three, Janelle Monet, Hidden Figures. Yay! You know what? I could have easily put Octavia Spencer here because I think everyone in Hidden Figures is totally deserving of recognition. But I went with Janelle Monet just because Octavia Spencer has the Oscar already and Janelle sort of came out of nowhere for me. I don't really follow music, so I didn't even know she had a pop career until recently. But she's such a a scene stealer here. Gets like the best lines, gets a little sassy attitude, which I love. Uh, She really holds her own against these uh, titans of acting. And I was very impressed with her, not just here, but in Moonlight as well. I really want to see where her acting career goes next. I will say that I think her performance is better than Octavia Spencer's because I maintain that Octavia Spencer is getting recognition because it's they, they assume it's similar to The Help. And it, in many ways, it, it kind of is. So I think Janelle Monet has the better storyline. I saw uh, Hidden Figures again over the weekend, and Octavia Spencer is actually my number seven. She just missed the cut. The reason I think she made it in was, I know you just said you think Janelle has a better storyline. Octavia seems to be more concrete, where she has everything going on with the computers and the scene in the library. And I think for some people, if you're trying to grasp onto one type of performance, that might be the most accessible for some people. But, I mean, look, they're both deserving. I would have been happy with either one getting in. And uh, Janelle just was a little bit above. So, anyway, moving on. Number two, also from 20th Century Women, Elle Fanning. You know, this was very underrated. I am surprised that she wasn't talked about more this season. Yeah, this was an odd one, because Elle Fanning is one of those people who you always see in movies, but for me at least, like, I see her there, but I, it never always registers for me. I just go, oh, there's Elle Fanning, she's in a lot of things. And she's always very good, but in 2016, between this and Live by Night, which isn't such a great movie, but she's great in that and sort of carries her own She is the best part of that there. movie. And Neon Demon as well, I mean, she's the yeah. lead in that, she's great. Yeah, which I've so still good. yet to see. I know you so love it, good. though. <laughs> and this was sort of the year that made me go, oh, well, Elle Fanning is more than just that person who pops up. She was really putting in these mature performances. She's only 18 years old, but she seems like so wise beyond her years. And I, really, I mean, she's been doing that since Super 8. Yeah. Yeah, Super 8. Uh, I go back to Benjamin Button also. I mean, she has a lot, and her sister Dakota has done the I'm same sure thing. that family Christmas is contentious nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, what were you in, American Pastoral? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Elle Fanning. I really love the character. I think she uh, was a great presence next to Greta Gerwig and Annette Bening, uh, Billy Crudup. That's such a great film overall. But uh, she was something really special in it, and I'm glad to add her to the list. Anybody want to guess what my number one is? Viola Davis. Davis. Viola Davis. 
You know, I think Viola Davis is at a point where I look at her now and rank her among the Cape Blanchettes and the Merle Streeps of the acting community. She is just someone who is always at her A-game when she's working with the best material. And you see her on Broadway. You see her even on How to Get Away with Murder. She never puts in anything less than the best. That's such like a tawdry, trashy show, but she that's, that's like a great performance trapped in a crappy TV mm-hmm. show, too. I don't understand it. Yeah, uh, she's stuck on Shondaland, but, uh, I mean, make that money, Viola. Do what you have to do. She's also, I think, a, it's a two or three Tonys. It's more than one, I know that. But she just always puts in the best types of performances. Restrained, but bubbling under the surface. And she has a scene in Fences where she's given some shocking news. And she has to go from shock to screaming in a matter of seconds. It's like it goes from zero to eleven. And I don't know how she does it. I'm constantly in awe of her. And of her nominations at the Oscars, this is her third nomination. I'd give her the win all three times. Fences, Doubt, and The Help. She is just someone I always look forward to seeing. So glad she's finally going to win this year. And look forward to anything she does coming down the road. Because she's just spectacular. All right. We have Viola Davis going two for three right now in a number one slot. Will Mavity, you're up next. Yeah, I have um, Naomi Harris from Moonlight. You know, it wasn't a life-changing performance, but it's very good. Uh, I have Imogen Poots for Green Room. That's a film that has two very strong, both arguably lead performances in the form of her and Yelchin, neither of which really got talked up as much as I think they deserve to. She's got a lot going on as far as a character goes. She's always been an underrated actress since 28 Weeks Later, and I hope she gets more recognition in the future. Yeah. Uh, three, I have someone from probably the best, one of the best acted ensembles of any film this year, Kate Dickey for The Witch. She may have kind of been playing Liza Aaron from Game of Thrones, but dialed up to 11, <laughs> but it worked so well. Like, you really loathe that mother character, and for what the film's trying to say about the Anya Taylor-Joy character breaking out from a repressive family, you need an antagonist like that. And I would argue she is more the antagonist of the film than Black Philip the Goat. Number two, everyone's talked about one dying of cancer mom. I'm going to list another. Molly Shannon and other people oh. is absolutely devastating. You know, I, I wish... She had gotten some traction this year. I think if she'd had maybe one more scene, she would have. But she is both funny and heartbreaking, you know, can go from making jokes about farting or getting high, but not in like a tawdry, tacky way that you would see in a Seth Rogen film, but in almost a sweet way to just some utterly devastating screen time. That's a very emotionally affecting film because of its wide swings between hilarity and sadness and i think she really manifests that and she is the backbone of the film it doesn't work without her and then finally i honestly almost changed this at the last minute because i think everybody's gonna say here but viola davis for doubt is also my win in doubt or no in fences jesus (laughs) i'm concussed people don't judge me (laughs) all righty all righty 
Uh, and for my top five best supporting actress of 2016, number five is Helen Mirren in Eye in the Sky. Uh, commanding, takes no BS from anybody. Um, and if you love Hel- Helen Mirren, this is just a really, really tense, good thriller that she just has cold, total, complete control over. Really, really dug her in this. Uh, number four, a name that was not mentioned by many people this entire year, Gillian Jacobs in Don't Think Twice. Yeah, I would agree. I think that she is a great find, uh, and I hope that she gets a lot more roles after this. Uh, warm, lovable, but also um, a depth of sadness to her character, one which I was able to emotionally connect to in a very strong way. I thought her scenes with Keegan-Michael Key were um, very heartfelt. I really, really, really dug her performance here as well. Number three, Manchester by the Sea, my girl Michelle Williams. Uh, no, <laughs> nothing else needs to be said. Just that that scene with Casey alone, if that was the only scene in the movie, um, kind of like how Viola Davis only pops up for one scene in doubt, it would have sealed the deal for me anyway, and she still would have made the list. Uh, she is just absolutely heartbreaking in that role. I And I... I actually rewatched the film recently, and I love it even more than I did the first time. So, number two, Naomi Harris in Moonlight. I've got two words for you people. Three days. Three days to give us this performance. That alone is quite a feat when you think about all the range, uh, the passage of time, and the complexity of emotions that Naomi Harris has to put into this character. And number one, anyone want to take a guess? Viola Davis. Viola Davis in Fences. It is indisputable. Can't wait to have her win the Oscar. It's going to happen. We're moving on now to Best Supporting Actor. All right, Kristen Lopez. What are your top five Best Supporting Actors of Okay, I needed a number five, and when we did the review... Matt knew exactly why I liked the movie in any way, shape, or form. It's Edgar Ramirez in gold. Um, he's literally the best part of that movie because he doesn't have a whole lot to do in the movie. And I think, I don't know, fake mystery is created when you have a Hawkeye who's um, barely in the movie, but he's the best part. So my, that's my number five. Again, I needed a five. Don't don't judge me. Uh Number four, I could have put way worse people on this list. Um, number four... Tiana Reeves for Neon Demon. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Irons in a cape in Assassin's Creed. That would have been... That could have been five. That would have been six. Um, number four is uh, Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. Yes. He's great as this kind of dying gunslinger type of character that Jake Gyllenhaal, his character has created. Um, and he's just... Acerbic, he's got some moments of levity in a movie that is very, very grim. So he does a lot with a little. Uh, number three was Alden Ehrenreich for Hail Caesar. Oh, yes. Yeah, he does, again, uh, it, it almost veers on a, a lead performance because he does kind of take over quite a bit of the movie at a certain point. But he's still got that charming guile. Uh, he's very funny. And, uh, you know, I guess prove that he could lead a Star Wars movie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> my, my number two is a, a name that I haven't heard a lot. John Goodman, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, so good. Yes. Yeah. You stole my thunder, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, me too. 
Same here. Uh, I'm very sorry. Um, Yeah, John Goodman's great in this movie. He is probably one of the most terrifying villains that came out in 2016, probably in the last couple of years for me. He's frightening in that he is a person that exists in reality, I'm sure. Um, You know, a very entitled white male with uh, privilege who thinks that, you know, a woman who's living in his basement definitely owes him something. Not really sure what it is, but we don't really want to find out. Um, and my number one, it's me, so you knew it was going to be on here. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson for Nocturnal Animals. Which I'm not going to disagree with. I, I do think that he actually does give the quote-unquote biggest performance in that movie. Uh, again, terrifying to me in that this is a character that probably exists in nature. Uh, you know, that that scene in Nocturnal Animals with where everybody's on the side of the road is just a master class of raising the stakes every five seconds. And, you know, he plays a great unhinged person who acts like he's unhinged, but is completely in control of everything. There's a lot of premeditation to to that uh, performance and that how things play out. And it's just it's frightening. It's weirdly comic in many instances. And as I said in, in our initial review, you know, it's kind of a, a great little uh, twist of seeing, you know, a, a good looking guy playing a totally despicable, unredeemable character. And it's it's great. So that's my number one. Yeah, he's quite good in that. I'm a Gemini. My favorite color is pale pink. It's no, so good. It's so good. I, you know what? I might need to rewatch that movie again this weekend. It's a, becoming a problem is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Mike Vermette. Best Supporting Actor, what do you got? All right, Best Supporting Actor, my number five spot, I have Woody Harrelson for The Edge of Seventeen. Oh, oh man, for those facial expressions alone. That almost made my list. It's so good, and his comedic timing is absolutely perfect in that movie, and he plays off of uh, Haley Steinfeld so well. He's that line like, didn't your father die three years ago or something? Oh my god, when he turns around, he looks at her, and he's like, your dad died four years ago. Oh, uh, it's amazing. So, <laughs> he's fantastic and steals... Every scene he's in. Um, my number four, I have Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water. Yay. Yes. I love that old school, like, um, gunslinger's last day and I'm going to do this last thing because I'm old. And Jeff Bridges totally embodies that role and does it so well and so beautiful. And I think it's just a great performance. Um, and his second to last scene is just devastating because of how much it says about that character that we didn't see on the surface. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, my number three, I have Shia LaBeouf for American Honey. Yay. Almost did, Almost made my list. Yeah, I feel like he doesn't get a lot talked about a lot for this film. Um, and I think he's wonderful in it. And he, you know, improvised most of his lines he, you know, came from being a child actor to an absolute lunatic to <laughs> trying to be an actor again, I think. Um, you know, I think he's really, really good in this film, and I wish he would have gotten more traction and talked about it a little bit more, as was everyone in this film. But, um, yeah, I loved him in it, and I can't wait to see what he does. Like, I'm always excited to see his name in a movie. Was this why he had the rat tail when he did the do it thing? Had he grown it out for filming American Honey? I, I, I'm think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think so. Louis Stevens forever. Yes, <laughs> yes always. Uh, number two, I have John Goodman, 10 Culverfield Lane. Yes. I kind of stole this one. 
he's brilliant. He's scary. I think every film could do with a little more John Goodman in it. There's not many times where he's in a movie and I'm disappointed with him in it. He's always pretty fantastic and he doesn't disappoint in this film. He's he's so big and that just watching him eat ice cream is amazing. <laughs> that scene is so scary where he comes in freshly shaven oh, it's and is like Oh, I felt queasy. Yeah. One of the creepiest scenes of the year, easily. Absolutely. And my number one is uh was an easy one for me, and that was Lucas Hedges from Manchester by the Sea. Yes. I was like leaning into my mic, like wondering, is he going to pick Lucas Hedges? <laughs> I thought he was fantastic. I think he's amazing. I think he's funny. He's emotional. He's kind of a dirtbag in that movie uh, with all his different girlfriends. Just a stupid teenager. He's absolutely. He's the perfect stupid teenager. And we were all 16 at one point. It's true. <laughs> God, I'm so glad I avoided you guys when I was a teenager. <laughs> Hey, 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 just like Lucas Hedges, you know, kind of working on it. (laughs) I was not like Lucas Hedges. (laughs) I was not either, to be fair. But um, he's perfect, and everyone knows someone like him, and I just love his relationship with Casey Affleck. All righty, Michael Schwartz, Best Supporting Actor. Number five, Jeff Bridges, Hell or High Water. Yay. You picked me for the list. (laughs) What I love about him here is that when you listen to him in interviews or see him on, like, the red carpet, Jeff Bridges is, like, such a sweet guy who's been in this business forever. He's, like, always willing to talk, it seems like, and he's just, you know, just a happy guy who always likes to be there, it seems. So that when he plays this old sheriff, like, who seems like he's as old as time and on his last job, it's, like, quite the change a little bit of whiplash there and like we say towards the end he has this really emotional scene that's uh one of the best things i think i've ever seen him do in his very lengthy career i'm very glad to see him get a role like this and a nomination to go with it as well i very much like his final scene with chris pine too actually yeah Yeah, on the porch yeah because um going back to some actually no i'll save it for my own thoughts uh spoiler alert he's on my list go ahead michael (laughs) number four John Goodman in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Unpredictable, creepy, yet exudes some strange type of uh, charisma. Michelle. It's really... (laughs) Are you with me, Michelle? (laughs) It's really neat. It came out almost a year ago, and it's stuck with me ever since. He's great. And the fact that that man does not have an Oscar nomination at this point in his career is absurd. They should nominate him over Arkin for Argo. They they basically do the same thing, and he he didn't have one unlike Arkin. You know. Uh, I want to ask this question: If Ten Cloverfield Lane had come out later in the year, do you think Goodman could have gotten a nomination? No, no I no. think he would have gotten more critics nominations, but no way would Ampus go for that. Okay, but uh, he would have been deserving. You know, ha- I feel like had this not been a genre film, though, he would have. Yeah, gotten. if this was just like a straight kidnapping drama. If he had played uh, Old Nick in Room, he would have gotten it. Yeah, oh, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, there you go. That's actually, that's perfect. So, next time, John Goodman. Next time. Next time, be a more creepy kidnapper, John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> My number three is Tracy Letts from Indignation, who is just stunning, articulate, he has one scene in particular that's a great tete-a-tete between him and Logan Lerman. He comes straight out of the theater, and you can tell it feels like he's performing on a stage. With, it feels like there are no cuts here. It's like he's going through and delivering a monologue, in a way. 
and he is one of the great Broadway actors, does a lot of television, and I'd love to see him do more film. He has a film, The Lovers, with Deborah Winger coming out this summer, and I love some Tracy Letts. So number three. My number two, and this is pretty much a toss-up between this and my number one, could go to either one, but I'm putting Alden Ehrenreich at number two for Hail Caesar. This guy was the breakout of the year as far as I'm concerned. He does it all. He does the singing. He does the lassoing. He does uh, the thing with the fake teeth. He's just so funny here and a great find. I think he makes that movie as great as it is in a lot of ways. So I know Kristen has love for him from, uh, what was it, Beautiful Creatures? Yeah. Well, looks like he continues off the promise he had there. So. Well, and also, Rules Don't Apply is not a very good film, but he's actually really good in it. For every bit, I thought Warren Beatty's performance didn't quite work. I thought Aaron Reich was actually damn good. Like, he... Incredible year for him. He just had to throw in those Rules Don't Apply jabs, didn't he, Will? <laughs> oh, that was very much tailored just for you. <laughs> and finally, my number one pick for the Best Supporting Actor of 2016... It goes to Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea. Yes. Who has an emotional maturity beyond his years, yet he's also stupid as this teenager who doesn't really know what's going on in his life. He doesn't really have any future ahead of him. He's probably going to turn into his uncle, which is a very sad thing to think. But uh, look, he holds his own against uh, Casey Affleck and all these other actors, and he is one of the lasting impressions from that great, great film. So, Lucas Hedges, I look forward to seeing the rest of your career. All righty, Will Mavity. You know, I almost feel obligated to mention somebody. I, in fact, I'm going to. Um, I was going to have Ben Foster as my number five, but because Mike didn't mention this person who I thought he would, uh, I'm going to do Hugh Grant for Florence Foster Jenkins. I just uh, missed. Okay, because... It's a lead performance, but I haven't had a line delivery gut me as much as I was never laughing in a very long time. He is the heart and soul of that movie, and I like Street, but she's very over the top. He grounds it, and is truly, it's truly, he is the film and its emotional center. Uh, number four, Trevante Rhodes. It's hard to choose one of the Moonlight Boys. Mahershala Ali is also excellent. This is Alex Arhip. I mean, everyone in the film is stunning. But Trevante Rhodes, just the way he encompasses all the stages of Sharon into one character and makes him both terrifying and hyper-masculine and also keeps his childhood vulnerability, is just a masterclass in acting. And yeah. frankly, I'm shocked he didn't get more traction this year. Number three, I'm also surprised no one's mentioned this. My boy, Ray Fiennes, you know, he had a great year between uh, his scene-stealing moment in Mike's Hail Caesar, but he is just on another level in a bigger splash. He is very complex, loathsome, yet also likable, completely over-the-top, yet restrained, borderline lead character for most of the film, I truly wish he'd gotten an Oscar nomination for this, and he's had a career resurgence recently that I really hope go- propels him to another Oscar nomination in the near future. We may be hearing about this uh, later. <laughs> Number two, everybody's talked about him, but John Goodman in Tin Cloverfield Lane is an absolute masterclass in acting. Just 
utterly terrifying, menacing, and you never quite know what's going on with him. And finally, uh, I think I am probably the person on this planet who loves this performance more than anyone, to the point that the actor quoted my tweet when I was raving about him and said I have, quote-unquote, the best cinematic mind for acting of anyone working right now. Um, (laughs) Ironically got me a bunch of new followers because of that, even though I'm pretty sure he was joking. Ralph Innocent and the Witch. Both him and Harvey Scrimshaw are excellent, and Scrimshaw also barely misses this lineup. But something about Innocent, because that is such a tortured character, and unlike Kate Dickey, he's not quite an antagonist. You do honestly feel sorry for him as someone in horrible circumstances trying to keep his family together, but he's also a puritanical crazy. And he really is restrained, but also heartbreaking, and damn, does he have a cool voice. So that is a performance I saw more than two years ago now at Sundance, and it has stuck out to me. So that is my top five. Very, very cool. Very, very unique top five there. My list for Best Supporting Actor this year, number five, a performance that I honestly, when I first saw the movie, I didn't really quite understand what the whole point of it was and why people were getting so crazy about it. But since I've seen the film in October up until now, it has stayed with me and it has to do so much with presence. And that is Mahershala Ali in Moonlight. The just sheer charisma that he um, exudes from his presence which is something that I didn't even think was like possible as an actor so much. You know, sometimes you think you need like an accent or something like, you know, very, very big physically, or you have to do something really showy in terms of dialogue. But Mahershala Ali just has such a commanding presence in this movie and is a force of nature that when he does go missing in the movie, you do miss the performance ultimately. He's had a big year. He was also awesome in uh, Luke Cage this year as well. Hidden figures, too. Dude, that dinner table scene, though, it's like, are you a drug dealer? It's just like, whew. I don't know. Yeah. Man. That, that broke my heart. I mean, that's a combination of a lot of different factors. That's Barry Jenkins' uh, handling of the editing, um, you know, to create the, the tone of that scene with the performances. I mean, there's a lot going on there. And credit to his performance as well. It definitely is, in my opinion, the highlight of the film as far as the ensemble is concerned. Uh, number four. A very odd choice, Daniel Radcliffe in Swiss Army Man, who, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't see a performance all year if I was quite like anything what he did. <laughs> that was something that was uh, very unique. It was probably very difficult from a physical standpoint um, and also was something that, uh, once again, as far as deep emotional connection is concerned, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I could have a connection with a rotting dead corpse, but... Daniel Radcliffe, weird guy that he is, somehow made it happen. So I would argue he's a lead, though. Oh, I, I mean that's fair. I think Paul Dano is technically the lead, but that's that's just my uh, my opinion there, buddy. He's in my lead top ten. He's very good. Best supporting actor number three, Jeff Bridges, Hell or High Water. Uh, I mean it's the way that he talks that old like gunslinger as uh, was discussed before one last job mentality it's also the 
uh, scene towards the end with Alberto that just guts you. And then, of course, the final scene with Chris Pine where, you know, it's that one last job. It's that, you know, gunslinger, gunslinger that's going to ride off into the sunset, but he does not ultimately get the satisfaction that he wants. And I loved how the film ends and actually gives more resonance to his character as a result. So, number two, very surprised he didn't make anybody's list. And spoiler alert, I think I'm predicting him to win the Oscar. Dev Patel and Lion. Uh, I think that what Dev Patel was able to do in the final act of this movie is nothing short of extraordinary. Uh, Got me to cry. (laughs) And I felt every emotion of frustration, of longing, sadness, joy. I think it's his best work yet. Number one, no. No performance in 2016 made as much an impression on me in terms of sheer over-the-topness as Ray Fiennes did in A Bigger Splash. I mean, you know, credit to his work in Hail Caesar as well, which deserves to be mentioned, but he is borderline psychopathic in this movie in terms of how much energy that he has. (laughs) And it's like absolutely insane. Where people are raving about Denzel Washington's performance in Fences for being over-the-top big showy acting, more people should be giving this one a look as well. So, he makes my number one. Hey everyone, I'm Jason. And I'm Lee. And we are the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. We look to take a magnifying glass to the films you love with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh, new releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. Check out the ASC Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, or keep in the loop on Twitter by following me, at film underscore faculty, or Lee, at Big Pick Reviews. That counts as a promo, right? Right. Alright, cool. Alright, well, I guess we'll cut here. See you later. <laughs> Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Moving over to now, Best Actress of 2016. Kristen, what do you have for number five? Okay, my number five is Amy Adams from Nocturnal Animals, Not Arrival. Oh. Yeah. Um, I I think Amy Adams is great in, in, in both this and Arrival. I just prefer this performance, I think, more to Arrival because I have more issues with Arrival in general. Um, but Amy Adams is amazing. Um, I love her so much. And she has such a uh, reduced role here, but she makes an impact. You know, you get to see the multiple facets of the character and that ending scene, I mean, just just destroys you. I'm sure somebody's going to say, yeah, well, Arrival has the same thing. I don't care. Arrival didn't get with me like it like the other one did so um number four is uh Taraji P. Henson for Hidden Figures I don't understand why this performance is not getting more recognition why it was overlooked come Oscar time um and I think she she deserves all the just give her all the awards because she is such a powerful character in this movie she's allowed to have a a brain and be intelligent and as well as have a happy home life which is very rare and just she sells every single element of it i mean you feel for the character you want her to succeed and it's just a movie that praises intelligence and praises femininity and and womanhood and she's so fantastic um my number three is Haley steinfeld for the age of 17 yes um funny pain in the ass uh i think that a, a lot of people who found her character to be overly earnest or annoying in True Grit 
are going to see that she can give a performance that takes off of that but is very nuanced and very charming and very funny um number two is sasha lane from american honey i've talked about her before and i think that character is so complex andre arnold does a great job of casting unknowns that have this this um rough edge and this vulnerability to them and i think sasha lane is just phenomenal knowing that she was not an actress i mean just just is amazing to see uh, a genuine diamond in the rough kind of come to fruition um and my number one is another performance that i wish got more traction come awards time it's rebecca hall for christine i oh, yes I'm very surprised that, well, I'm not surprised this movie didn't go anywhere because it had a very uh, muted release, but I think Rebecca Hall just, you know, I think most people see her playing beautiful women. They don't actually see her giving good performances, even though she's given great performances. But this is, you know, I always give movie shit for uglying up women um, and making that so brave, and that's not it at all. Um, She looks like the real Christine Chubbuck, she has this, you know, weight that's just like in her hunched over performance. I mean, she commits to playing this character. And even though you know how the movie ends, you Rebecca Hall just makes you ache for this character. You, you want this character to get a glimmer of happiness no matter how she can, just so that she can realize there's something good in this world. Um, and Rebecca Hall just makes your heart break for this character. So I had to give it to her as my number one. It's a very, very good choice, one which I, too, thought was criminally uh, underappreciated, and it's, I think, the finest work of her career so far. Uh, Writing Mike Vermette, Best Actress. All right. Well, in number five, I have Sasha Lane for American Honey. Um, As Kristen said, you know, she's amazing in that film, and Andre Arnold does a great job in directing her. And it is amazing, too, that she was an unknown before this film. Um, and is literally in every scene of this this film. So it's amazing the work that she does and how she's able to go from being not an actress to what I think is one of the best actresses of the year. So, you know, big shout out to her. Uh, number four, I have a Mary Elizabeth Winstead for 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yay! Thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> I think she's great. I think she totally holds her own with the likes of John Goodman. Um, she is that final girl that the horror movies always talk about, but she's allowed to kick ass and, you know, be tough and she's tougher than the other guy that's locked in with them. And, uh, she's just a survivor. And like, I love that about her character. Um, number three, I have Haley Steinfeld for Edge of 17. Yes. She's smart. She's funny. Um, she's mean. She's everything, like, that a person is. Like, I think she's such a real character and such a real person. And I'd love to hang out with her sometime. So that's why I put her on the list. Um, Number two, I have Emma Stone for La La Land. For most of the year, I think she was my number one. Even before the Oscars, I was expecting her to be my number one. Um, And she's amazing in it. And I love La La Land so much, as I've talked about. And I think... She's great and like wanting to live a bigger dream and has this dream that's worth fighting for. And she's great in every scene that she's in. But my number one goes to Natalie Portman for Jackie. Yes. I, Justice. Oh, Justice. I only saw this movie recently. 
Um, but it floored me how good her performance was. The movie overall, I don't think is amazing, but I think her performance is better than the sum of its parts. And she's easily the best thing in that movie. And Natalie Portman, you know, once again proves why she's one of the best actresses in the business. She may not look the part of Jackie Kennedy, which is fine, but her voice gets it so right. If you go back and you look at YouTube videos of Jackie and then watch the movie, her voice, like if you close your eyes, you would almost think that like Jackie Kennedy's on the screen. So huge bucket of wins. She's fantastic in that movie. She totally is. It's, uh, it's almost, well, you know, I don't want to get too personal, but I'm going to just say it anyway. It's, it's almost, almost a crime that she's not just sweeping all of the awards Anyways, um, I'm getting off my soapbox. Michael, let's hop on another soapbox. Who are your top five actresses of 2016? Well, the Natalie Portman fans are not going to like me very much because she didn't even make my five. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, there's something wrong with you. I, I don't like Jackie, and I'm not so crazy about her in it, but that's a story for another time. What? Anyway, uh, so my five, of course, best actress was uh, ridiculously packed this year. I just... Before I name the five, got to give a quick shout out to Amy Adams in Arrival, Ruth Nega in Loving, Susan Sarandon in The Meddler, Jessica Chastain in Miss Sloan, and Taraji P. Henson in Hidden Figures, who would have made my lineup any other year. It was just too packed this year for any of them to make the cut. I feel the same way about supporting actor. I didn't get to say that, but that was also, for me, one of the strongest times we've had that category in a decade. But continue. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Anyway, the five that did make it, I will run through pretty quickly. And they actually do have a lot in common in terms of what performances uh, they are and what the characters are like. Number five is Isabelle Huppert in L. Yes. <laughs> Shut up, Kristen. I, I, she deserves to be signaled out. <laughs> she deserves to. She's great in this. She's stunning in this. And I think if anyone's going to upset Emma Stone next week, it's going to be her. Oh, it's going to be Don't her. <laughs> yeah, Tom O'Neill and a lot of people are like now predicting that upset to happen. Apparently, a lot of Ampus voters keep talking about who pair, who pair, who pair. So I told y'all, I'm very just very active campaign. I told y'all, I'm just gonna hear any other movie and not that one. And in a way, that is what it is, though. Yeah, she's, it, in, she's in her sixties. It's a career win. I'm Let's just be saying, honest, she would. That performance on its own would not win an Oscar, but she's very good in it still. If I hear her name, it better be followed with a dog's purpose. I mean, just anything else. <laughs> but, it, but it won't be. And if it does happen, you're going to have to suck it up. <laughs> oh, I don't have to. Really? No, no. And that's a really poor choice of words for a movie about rape. Too bad. <laughs> I think it's a movie that has a rape in it, but I don't know that it's a movie about rape. I think it's about a character Uh, who's dealing with a lot of stuff in her life. It's almost like a. I heard someone on Sasha Stone's podcast mention this the other day, and I really latched onto it. It's almost like an even darker version of August Osage County. Yeah. With this really dysfunctional family and this woman at the center of it and how this sort of impacts her life on top of this rape that happens to her and how she sort of chooses to go about it. In the most unexpected way. I mean, I, I I do have problems with the third act and how that character is written. But I mean, it as doesn't an actress, make the performance any less. Yeah, impressive. as an actress, it's like, oh, here's words on a page and here's the plot points. But yet she sells every minute of it. You know, 
Like, I, I think you can say there's a good performance in a movie you don't like. Like, I really like Emily Blunt in Girl on the Train, even if I'm not a big fan of that film, you know? Like, yeah, agreed. It, it, it can be done, so you can... The win could be considered good, even if you think the film sucks. Yeah. Well, Elle is a film I think is very good, but I think she is nothing short of spectacular in it. Like I said, devilishly funny, scared, unpredictable, and daring. It is just a virtuoso performance from a actress who has been around for about 40 years. Oh, it is geez. just incredible, wow. incredible work on her part. So that's my number five. Number four. It can't be a Michael Schwartz Oscar season without a mention of Meryl Streep. Lol. And here she is for Florence Foster Jenkins. The creme de la creme. Hits it out of the park. She hits every wrong note as she's singing in the best possible way. But it's those tender moments with her and Hugh Grant or Simon Helberg where she just sort of breaks down on an emotional level where you just realize, oh my God, Meryl Streep, you are the best there has ever been. And it is just undeniable. Think of whatever you want of the film, but she is our greatest. Grant's better. Mm. God. Uh, that y'all disagree on, but the rape movie, everybody praises. I, oh my gosh. <sighs> you boys are killing me today. I don't know how to top that, but... <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't. Just just keep, keep moving on. Do you have another rape movie you can nominate? <laughs> Passengers, Jennifer Lawrence, anybody? Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Number three. A nice light movie that I think everybody can agree on <laughs> is Hello, My Name is Doris with Sally Field's terrific Yay! performance. Yep. She makes this character her own. I think Sally Field is one of the most versatile actresses we have. She goes back to The Flying Nun and Gidget and is able to do Mary Todd Lincoln on top of that and Norma Ray. Uh, Doris is a character who is so quirky and you really need an actress who knows what they're doing with such a strange character. And Sally Field is so up for it, so game, and I think just steals every scene she's in and is in just about every scene of the movie. I really love her and wish she had gotten a nomination. Speaking of actresses, I wish had gotten an Oscar nomination, and she came so, so, so close. Annette Benning in 20th Century Women is my number two. This no-nonsense mother who's very much of an era that has passed, like the 1930s, She's loving, but she's also scared of what's to come in the future at the same time. Very protective, and it's just a beautifully written character, played so well by Annette Bening, who was just, just like Meryl Streep, one of our finest. I know, Matt, you were a big fan of that one, too. Absolutely. So, Annette Bening. And my winner... Yep, who's not Natalie Portman and Jackie. Go on. Yes, my winner and my choice for the best actress of 2016 is Emma Stone in La La Land. Ah, horse shit. Yes, Emma Stone has such a presence going back to the House Bunny and Easy A. And I always love seeing her uh, comedic work. And then she really made an impression with Birdman a few years back. But I think La La Land is the height of her career so far, where she's really able to put comedy, music, and drama all together and make a performance that's the best thing I've seen from her so far. Her audition sequence alone, and it's a close-up of her face, is just tremendous, the way that she has this emotional vulnerability. And then she's able to go sing and dance with Ryan Gosling later on. She's the ingenue caller, the Jennifer Lawrence of 2016, if you want. 
she is just fantastic here. And I love La La Land Beyond Words. I think she's great, and it'll make a terrific win at the Oscars next week. Yes. Preach, Michael. Will Mavity, what do you have? Um, I So I will mention number five is also Emma Stone for me. I think it is a very good performance for all the reason Mike said. I don't think it's the best female performance of the year, but she is, as you said, it's a culmination of her past work. She's very funny. She also nails the sad moments, and she's a pretty good singer. I mean, it, it works. It's the perfect mixture. Number four, uh, does anyone want to guess what movie I'm going to throw in here again? The Witch? The Witch? Yeah. No. Yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy. This is Anya Taylor-Joy. You know, this was her this has been her breakout year, but this was her first film of that year and damn, she's good. Like I I I don't know much else to say about it, but she's the lone truly sympathetic figure in that movie and it is a very layered performance and you certainly root for her even when you can't decide if you should be rooting for her by the end. Um, excellent ensemble, but the ensemble doesn't work without its lead actress. Number three, Mike mentioned her, but I have to mention her again. This is Sally Field and Hello, My Name is Doris. She's, oh, well. Yeah, she, she stuck through it the year with me. I, I saw that film twice. I didn't actually love the film. My mom did and wanted to see it again, but it, she's very good. She's very sympathetic, funny, heartbreaking, and it's a coming-of-age film set in the body of a 60-something-year-old woman. Uh, number two, I can't believe no one's mentioned her, Kreisha Fairchild for Kreisha. Oh, he stole my thunder. Isn't this like her first film too? I yep. mean, I mean, she is stunning. She feels so natural, heartbreaking, crazy. I mean, she is that movie. And say some people have problems with the film itself, but no one can say anything bad about that performance. She is terrifying. She's heartbreaking. She's so good. Number one, everybody said it. I have Natalie Portman for Jackie. I just want to say I did not get to see Hidden Figures, Christine, or 20th Century Women yet. I'm not leaving them out. I just haven't had a chance to see them. But what a great year for actress. And Natalie Portman was the pinnacle of all those great performances, I thought. All righty. And for me... Top five actresses of 2016. Don't worry, Kristen. Isabel Huppert is not on the list. Uh, neither is Emma Stone. Neither is Taraji P. Henson. Annette Benning, And to the surprise of many, Amy Adams from Arrivals, also not on my list. Number five is Rebecca Hall and Christine. Yay! Deserves to be shouted out at the top of rooftops. I am so mad that I saw this performance late and I didn't see it early enough so that I could have been in the conversation more to try and sing her praises throughout the season because because man is she criminally underrated in this movie by many people and it's her best work it's just so I know we keep saying the word heartbreaking but that's exactly what this is and you know when you think about what she did to her voice how she plays off the mannerisms how she is able to go from being very, very vulnerable and unsure of herself to just kind of manic depressive. It, it's it's insane how good she is in this. Number four, Haley Steinfeld in The Edge of Seventeen. By far my favorite comedic performance of the year. I think that she is absolutely incredible and delivers upon the promise that was uh, True Grit back in 2010. Uh, she really comes into her own here, and I really hope she keeps uh, continuing to do more film work because 
she's also, I think, a treasure in this movie and is part of the reason why I believe The Edge of Seventeen will go on to become a cult classic in years to come. Number three, uh, Will said it before, Cresha Fairchild and Cresha. For all the reasons that Will said before, um, if you have not seen this movie, it's on Amazon streaming. See it. It's fantastic in terms of how dark and just downright um, absorbing it is. Um, The director, Trey Edward Schultz, is really going to go on to do really incredible things, I think. But her performance here is just staggering. Uh, Number two, my girl, my favorite redhead, Jessica Chastain, Miss Sloan. Love the commanding power of this performance. Love her ferocity. Love, love, love the moments of vulnerability. Uh, I had some problems with the film overall, but her performance was a force of nature. Absolutely, absolutely underrated. And number one, Natalie Portman and Jackie. Enough said. Moving on now to Best Actor of 2016. Kristen Lopez, what do you have? Okay, so my number five is Denzel Washington for Fences. Mm, number five. Interesting. Yeah, it was hard to find five best actors for me. Um, mostly because I just think the women did so many amazing... There were so many great roles for women this year that for once the men kind of took a back seat. Um, but true. Denzel Washington... Denzel Washington is great. I think he... I hate to say an actor is kind of born to play a character, but... He really is born to play Troy Maxson. Um, I know a lot of couple people have said, you know, it's just kind of Denzel playing Denzel, but I think it's more nuanced than that. And I think he more than deserves an Oscar nomination. I'd say he deserves a win, but, you know, I get told I'm biased. So um, just because I don't like who probably will win. Um, number four is uh, Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic. I'm surprised I, to see this on your list. Yeah, I I rewatched this recently, and I've always been a fan of Viggo Mortensen, and I think that the character is tragic, I think the character is funny, I think the character is very frustrating, and, you know, maybe because I've just seen Mortensen play so many different roles, always kind of with that eye of the con man to it, um, you know, you're just, you're taken in by the character, even though you know that he's got so many problems. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, my number three is Ryan Gosling not for La La Land it's for the nice guys uh, hell yes yeah I I think Ryan Gosling does way better work in this than he does in La La Land um, I think again it's a, a performance that's very funny uh, he's got that great smarmy kind of 1950s old school detective uh, persona uh, everything that people probably bitched about him doing in Gangster Squad comes off a lot better in this one um, and I, I just think the performance is great. Um, I love Ryan Gosling when he does comedy. Uh, number two is Jake Gyllenhaal for Nocturnal Animals, playing dual roles, story within a story, as well as um, an actual character, and he does both so well. I mean, it's almost hard to believe it's the same person playing two different characters. I've praised the movie so much. That let's just leave it at that. Um, and number one is Chris Pine for Hell or High Water. Um, I have been a Chris Pine fan since uh, Princess Diaries 2. 
forever. Oh my god! And um, Chris Pine, I think, just gets not only does he get better looking with time, but he just becomes a better actor with time. And this was probably this was his best role in 2016 people forget he did another movie in 2016 um he did another disney movie and he's really crappy in it um because i don't think chris pine does well playing the matinee idol anymore um i think he does better playing these gritty type of characters that are actually allowed to be crazy actually allowed to be um broken and flawed and i think he just does such amazingly heartbreaking work here he's got some great line delivery i mean I've I've been a Chris Pine fan since the beginning, and I've I've always said he's had promise, um, and I think this just proves that he has been far more than a pretty face. And I hope people uh, finally go and check out some of his other performances. Watch Hell or High Water, and then go watch Stretch, and just have fun because he's great in both of them. So he's my number one. Or Into the Woods. There's also there's also that. <laughs> No, his Captain Kirk is far more layered than it should be. Like, I I actually think he gives a great performance, at least in those first two movies, if we're adding on things he's excellent in. Yeah, he's great as Captain Kirk. He's fantastic. All right, best actor. Uh, number five, we have Logan Lerman for Indignation. Oh. Yay. Um, the movie I saw much earlier in the year, and his performance stuck with me all year, and I thought... He was absolutely fantastic in it. Um, the ending of that film is crushing, and you know, didn't see it coming. I think he's gives a totally layered performance. Um, his performance, you know, with the principal is just absolutely stunning. Um, and I've liked him for a while. I loved him in um, Perks of Being a Wallflower. I thought he was fantastic. So happy to see him get like cool roles. Um, number four, I have Tom Hanks for Sully. Oh, wow. I didn't see this coming. Yeah, I was, like, shocked that, like, Tom Hanks didn't get more, like, love overall. I, You know... Same here. The movie is definitely a very paint-by-numbers, but he's fantastic in it. And I actually really love that movie. Um, I think he's great. He gives such a heartwarming performance. You, He's a man who will do anything to save those people on the plane is more concerned about their safety than his own. And I think that's the kind of role that like Tom Hanks is perfect at. I think he owns this. And again, it just, it's a head scratcher to me why he didn't get more Oscar love or just love in general throughout the season. People take him for granted. It happened last year with Bridges spies too. And captain Phillips. That's true. That's true. I liked him more in Sully than I did even in Bridges spies. So, but that's me. Um, number three, I have Denzel Washington for fences. You know, what can we not say about this performance? He's absolutely amazing. He's commanding. He's he's everything. He's everything you want Denzel Washington to be in a movie. He does in this movie. Um, his monologues in this movie alone are just perfection. And he's absolutely great. Um, number two, I have Ryan Gosling for La La Land. Uh, one of my favorite performances of the year. I love his character so much. I love his interactions with Emma Stone. I love how kind of sly he is and like the way that he like acts around her. Even like the whole shtick with like honking the horn. I like when he has like the phone book thrown out. Oh my God. It's it's amazing. I love that scene. Um, And I just love their relationship and I love how 
Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling have got to like craft this relationship over three movies, and now this is the culmination of that like on-screen relationship. And it was by coincidence this time. It was absolutely. I think it's a testimony also to his charm. That character on paper is a bit of an asshole. Like, let's be honest. And I imagine, I like Miles Teller. I imagine if Miles Teller had played that character, I would have fucking oh hated that It's character. so funny. A lot of people say that, like, he's such an asshole, even, like, with Ryan Gosling playing him. And I, I just don't get it. Like, I feel like he gives up the girl so she can go live her dream and, like, do what she wants to do. So, I don't know. I don't get that. But I love his performance in it. Um, my number one, this will be no surprise, is Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. I loved his performance from the first time I saw that movie, and in my opinion, he still gives the best performance of the year. You know, I think Denzel might take it, but for me, it's always Casey Affleck. Um, that performance is absolutely heartbreaking. I don't usually cry in movies, but if any movie was going to bring a tear to my eye, it definitely was him, um... In that scene in the police station in Manchester by the Sea, and when he just sees what happens, you know, to his kids and stuff, he's just great. And I love his interactions with Lucas Hedges. I love his interactions with Michelle Williams. He absolutely owns that movie. It's it's almost like a one man show. So, alrighty, Michael Schwartz. Guess what, Mike? Yes, we have the same exact lineup. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> Is it rearranged in different order? <laughs> Rearranged, but we have the same exact Oh names. my god. That is amazing. I'm high-fiving you over here. So I'm going to keep this very brief because you pretty much just said everything I was going to say. I'll just read it down and just add very quickly. Number five is Ryan Gosling for La La Land. I think this is actually my favorite Ryan Gosling performance. I've never really warmed up to his stuff like others have until now. I love the chemistry he has with Emma and the passion and desire of, like, a struggling artist, the scene that they have together towards the end after her audition at the park, at Griffith Park Observatory, I think is phenomenal when they sort of assess where they are right now in their relationship. So, number five. Number four is Tom Hanks. Yes. Always taken for granted lately. We shouldn't. He's a national treasure, and he has a quiet heroism here that is needed so much post-election right now. Love him. Can I just throw in, can we give, like, Top Manx an Oscar just for those weird, drunken Facebook pictures he took of that guy in the bar? Uh, <laughs> Did anyone see, see that? <laughs> there was a guy that was, like, drunk in a bar somewhere, and he, like, posed this guy's body and took selfies with him. <laughs> and it is absolutely amazing. Go check it out, like, on Google when you're, after this is over. These are reasons that people should get Oscars. <laughs> We, we could give him an honorary Oscar for that or for David as pumpkins. Yes. <laughs> okay. Number three, Logan Lerman, Indignation. This is a performance that spoke a lot of truths and hit home in a really deep way for me. Uh, he's a pompous, stupid kid who thinks he knows it all, and that goes to hurt him later on. Uh, just is really stuck with me in a way that no other performance has this year. Yet he's not number one because... The top two choices, uh, number two is Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, an empty shell with no emotion, and that is just really tough to do. That guy has been through the ringer, and it's a really tough character to play. He does it tremendously. If he wins the Oscar, I will not have any complaints. Yet the person I am rooting for is Mr. Denzel Washington in Fences. 
whose character is like a King Lear of sorts. He sucks the air out of the room. He's larger than life, yet he's the devil. He is just this, like Casey Affleck, a broken down guy who isn't an empty shell. He just like throws out his rage and anger and puts it on everybody else. And he's menacing. He's just a bad, bad guy. Yet you like watching him. And that says a whole lot. It's a legendary theater role. He won a Tony for it back in 2010. And I think and hope he will win an Oscar for it next week. I just want to say I agree with you 100%, Michael. Like, I'm rooting for Casey Affleck, but if Denzel wins, I'd be all about it. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty much a coin toss. It really is. Okie dokie. Will Mavity, what do you have? I'm going to mix up a little bit, but not too much. Number five was really hard for me, but ultimately I'm going to go with Jesse Plemons and other people. Paul Dano is very close for Swiss Army Man, as is honestly Garfield for Hacksaw, but... Plemons had always just kind of been that background guy for me in a lot of movies prior to this, you know, Bridge of Spies, or uh, he's the the neo-Nazi from Breaking Bad. But this time he really impressed me just with his mastery of both comedy and once, like Molly Shannon, heartbreaking sadness. So I think he's someone to watch out for. He's a strong comedic presence, but also can nail the dramatic beats. Number four is, like Kristen said, the best Ryan Gosling performance this year. That's Ryan Gosling in The Nice Guys. Just his scream is the funniest (laughs) thing in the world to me. His ability to say Janet still wins the day. Yeah, honestly. I mean, the fact he took his entire cool guy persona and just totally was willing to make fun of himself is kryptonite to me. It it, it was hysterical. Uh, Number three... We've talked about him. He's an absolute powerhouse. Denzel Washington and what may be his best role yet. His condescending stare he gives. Just the enormous presence he offers. The way you hate him, but also somehow sympathize with him. Denzel Washington and Fences. I think he will win the Oscar, and it will be a very deserving win, even if he's not my number one choice. Number two is Viggo Mortensen, Captain Fantastic. Kristen mentioned once again, he, I, I don't necessarily agree with what the character does, but you do sympathize with him and you want him to be with his kids. He's funny, he's charming, he's an asshole, but he's also an incredibly sympathetic and relatable character. And number one, we've all mentioned him pretty much, Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea, that is just the pinnacle of quiet, heartbreaking restraint. Casey has his baggage in real life, but on camera, that is a hell of a performance. And that is an incredibly hard part to play and a hard part to play sympathetically and likably when he's also playing someone who in many ways is not a likable person, and I think he does it. It's it's just crushing. Okie dokie. Number five for me in Best Actor is Will Smith in Collateral Beauty. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs> Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Colin Farrell and the Lobster is a comedic performance from this year that I found to be equal parts dark, sad, and also uh, funny. 
at times. Um, I think that, uh, you know, his performance in this movie is also, uh, once again, very underrated. Um, and when he's... The scene with this dog in the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When he's on, he's on. Um, he's not always consistent as an actor, but like something like this or like in Bruges, um, I really do think that he has the ability to be one of my favorite actors working today. Um, but then he somehow ends up in a movie like, um, total recall. Yeah. And it's just like, what the hell are you doing, man? You know, but regardless of what true detective season two, Oh man, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know. Like that's, that's just don't that's bring that up. Sacrilegious. Um, but yeah, I, I mean the lobster is a movie that, um, didn't get its praises sung as much as I wanted to, or maybe it just did early in the year when we were starving for something really, really good, and it kind of fizzled out as the year went on. I'm glad it got that original screenplay nomination, so hopefully people will continue to check it out and see what a delight Colin Farrell is in this movie. Number four is Viggo Mortensen in Captain Fantastic. I agree with everything that everybody has said so far. Equal parts frustrating, uh, warm, and tender. Um, Viggo Mortensen is an actor that I will forever love because he's in my favorite movie of all time. And that's the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy. And so as, uh, in terms of, I, I sometimes ask myself, like, is it that I like the character as he's written or do I like Viggo Mortensen? And I think as written, I think I don't like the character and I think Viggo helps to elevate that for me. So number three is the Andrew Garfield performance that nobody talks about. And that's, uh, in silence. Um, we don't talk about it because we're staying true to the title of it. <laughs> oh, man. That, that was good. That was good. But, I mean, I don't know why everybody latched on the hacksaw and nobody could latch on to this. I, I think in every single message board and every person I have talked to that has seen both films, they all agree that he's better in this. Like, everyone that's seen the movie, is he better in this or is he better in hacksaw? I don't like him in either. I don't care if you had to pick one. Gun to your uh, head. Is he better? I think he's better in um, Hacksaw. You, you son of a bitch. I haven't seen it yet, Matt. I would have, but I'm concussed. So, Matt, I hate to tell you this, but I think I like him better in Hacksaw also. What? And I like Silence. I liked it a lot, but I, I don't know. I think he's better in Hacksaw. It's the Portuguese accent that does it wrong. Yeah, for me. It's, it doesn't ring true like coming out of his mouth. It's the southern accent in Hacksaw that kills me. Right, that's what kills me too in Hacksaw. Well, he's just bad at accents then, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, number two, Denzel Washington and Fences. Number one, Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. Um, this is this is really, really hard to rearrange here between these two, but Casey Affleck gets it from me because I do think that internalized performance is more difficult to play off. Um, where I think the theatricality of Denzel Washington's big performance in Fences, although it is very commanding, um, it does suck the life out of the room, I feel like, at times, and it is a little overwhelming. So I'm not saying that that's a bad thing necessarily, but I really latched on to Casey Affleck more in a curiosity sort of way. Like, what's really going on with him? Like, what, what's what's actually making his mind work? And on a rewatch, when you know the reveal and you go back and watch, especially those early uh, scenes in the movie, and you filter it all through now with what you know that happened to him in his past, the performance is even more astonishing. So, 
Final category is going to be the best ensemble category of 2016. The culmination of what we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, what were the, the five ensembles of this year that represented the pinnacle of acting? I've talked about every single one of these movies already, so I'm just going to keep it uh, very short and sweet. Number five, Captain Fantastic. This was also in my best, uh, I think, child performers section. I think everybody is really great in this, and they work well as a unit. Mm-hmm. Um because they're supposed to be. Number four, Edge of Seventeen. Oh. I think I think uh, Woody Harrelson's great. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, Haley Lou Richardson, Blake Jenner. Um, who who plays the mom, whose name Kira is... I'm, yes, thank you. Kira Sedgwick. Um, it's a, a movie about a family and, you know, the immediate periphery of school. It just, it feels like a town that I lived in and, and elements of, of my life that um, I can recall. So number three is Hidden Figures. I think everybody is fantastic in this movie. Enough said. Um, I've, I've said it enough already. I think it praises intelligence. Strong women. It's fantastic. Number two is Neon Demon. I think everybody is just batshit insane in this film. Um, even Keanu Reeves, who shows up for a very memorable uh, little performance there. Uh, really, really good. And my number one, can we all guess what it is? Nocturnal Animals. L. It's Nocturnal Animals. I love every single person in this movie. Um, I think everything is great about it, um, and you're going to see it on my best, relatively high. Um, so yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, everybody in the ensemble works. Everybody looks fantastic in all those Tom Ford costumes, and I love it. I love it so much. And I'm sure everybody smelled really good because they all had Tom Ford um, perfume and cologne handy. So yeah, number one. All right. Mike from Matt, best ensemble. Well, similar like what Kristen said, I've talked about all these movies to death, so I won't, you know, belabor the point. But uh, number five, I have American Honey. Yes. Easily one of my favorite films of the year, and that's mainly due to this colorful cast of characters that are in it. Um, Each one is so unique, and I think each actor and actress brings their own distinct personality to roles that I think in other hands could have been very one-note and very forgettable, so... Great job there. Um, number four, I have The Edge of Seventeen. Love everything about this movie. I think it's funny. I think it's heartbreaking. Um, I think all the actors in it are fantastic. Everyone gives their own strong performance. Everyone gets at least one strong scene. So I think that's really good. Uh, number three, I have Fences. Again, everyone in this movie, top to bottom, just can't say enough good things about the acting. You know, from Denzel and Viola... To, um, I don't know what the actor's name actually, that plays Troy's neighbor. Stephen McKinley Henderson. There you go. I think he's fantastic. I think Denzel Washington's son in the movie is, is brilliant, both of them. Um, I think all the acting across the board is absolutely brilliant. And, you know, a testament of that goes to Washington as a director. I think he really directed the acting really well in this film. Um, number two, Manchester by the Sea. Everyone is just on top of their game in this movie. It's a sad movie. It's a depressing movie. At times it is blackly funny, but everyone exudes this like sense of broken down sadness. And it feels like a real movie. Like I almost feel like you could walk down, you know, a new England street and see those characters. So big shout out to them. And uh, number one, come as no surprise to anyone. 
La La Land is my number one of the year. There is no ensemble. There is. You got Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, John Legend. There you go. There's my ensemble. What? Ensemble is That's four not more. That's ensemble. Is it four or more? It's a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. It's a stretch for Michael, and he's the master of stretches. <laughs> I, well, I, come on, man. Okay, and you're going to argue J.K. Simmons and his one scene. That, mm. He has two scenes. <laughs> Where he snaps his fingers. Yeah, that's an extra. No, no! What does John Legend do? I love John Legend, but John Legend was pra- pretty much put in there by the studio to get a little extra funding. And a person of color. Don't forget the person of color. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's very important. Yeah, like. People of color in that movie. But. This is this is Stone. The SAG wasn't even. SAG is the king of nominating things with small ensembles, and SAG didn't even go for it. Well, I'm going for it. Law Land hey, number one. Matt, are, Matt, can you get really mad on air about yeah, this, please? Yeah, I, I feel like you need to. I'm well. I mean, you know what I'm doing right now is I'm I'm actually letting you guys fight the battle for me. But I'm gonna just channel my inner uh, Michael Fassbender and Steve Jobs and just say fuck you every time. Number you, one ensemble, best comedy of the year, La La Land. Fuck you. Wait, it's not a comedy. Did, did he list it as a cop? Oh, it is a comedy. I think it's really funny. It makes me laugh. And everyone I've ever seen it with laughs a lot during that movie. Fucking comedy. Fuck you. End of the story. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay, well, I'll just preface this by saying I don't have La La Land. Thank you, Mike. Even Thank on the you, Michael. List. <laughs> even though I adore the film. But just the best cast ensembles. Very quickly. Number five, Indignation. Yes. Not just Logan Lerman, but you have Linda Iman, Danny Burstein, Sarah Gadon, Tracy Letts, Pico Alexander... <laughs> I still have no idea who this is. I feel like that's the I feel like that's the stop trying to make fetch happen of the movie, and I've never even seen the movie, so <laughs> I no, I, I mean I know the character you're talking about now, but it's not like someone that I think of like that is the shining beacon of indignation. This is Yeah, Mike, I actually watched it with keeping him in mind and like I still didn't like get what was You still don't know who Sonny Cotton no, is? No, no, I know who he is. Like I totally get it, but I didn't understand what was so mind-blowing about his performance. He had one terrific scene in the hospital that I think... <laughs> maybe it's just something personal with me that has stuck with me for a while. Again, that film really hits home in a really personal way. So maybe there are elements that I'm looking at that other people don't see. Regardless, that's my number five. Number four, 20th Century Women. I've talked about everyone here, uh, except Lucas Jade Zuman, who plays uh, Jamie, the young boy in the movie. I don't know where he came from, but he's really great. And uh, Billy Crudup as well. It's a terrific ensemble of uh, a lot of great women and then the two men. And it's great, underrated film. Number three, the SAG winner, Hidden Figures. Everybody is great here, not just Taraji, Octavia, and Janelle. But you have Kevin Costner, Jim Parsons, Kristen Dunst, all playing these characters who are condescending without knowing it, in a sense. And uh, they're great, very deserved SAG win. Number two, Manchester by the Sea. I'm not going to repeat what everyone just said, but it's all true. And number one, Fences. This is just about the same cast that came from Broadway, except for Sonia Sidney and Giovanna Depo. They were all in the 2010 revival. And I haven't seen an actor handle director... Let me switch that. I haven't seen a director handle actors like Denzel Washington does here, since somebody like Mike Nichols doing Virginia Woolf. If Denzel keeps up his career as a director, he might be able to get some more great performances out of his cast. 
and everybody here is on their A game. I wish there were 10 slots in the supporting actor race because I would have put somebody like Giovanna Depo in there or Russell Hornsberry or, uh, again, Stephen McKinley Henderson. They're all great. So that's my five. All right. Will Mavity, five ensembles. So I am trying to think as far as bigger ensembles go, which means I'm not going to put Manchester by the Sea and I'm not going to put The Witch here, even though they're excellently acted because those are about three to four cast members total. So I'm in, as far as like major roles. Instead, I'm going to start with one I'm actually surprised Mike didn't put here because I think it's the definition of an ensemble film. Hail Caesar. I don't even like the film that much overall, but I think we sometimes forget comedic ensembles when we're thinking about ensemble performances. And maybe Alden is the only one, and Alden and Brolin are the only ones who get to give kind of emotional depth to the characters, but Ray Fiennes, Christopher Lambert, uh, Johansson are all scene stealers, and Channing Tatum, all scene stealers and incredibly entertaining. If Grand Budapest can get a... Uh, SAG Ensemble nomination, despite having pretty much everybody in cameos, then we should give the same love to Hidden Figure, or to uh, Hail Caesar. In number four, I have Eye in the Sky, which is a stellar ensemble. Mike or Matt mentioned Helen Mirren earlier, but we can't forget Alan Rickman's heartbreaking on-screen final performance, Aaron Paul, um... Barkhad Abdi, and a number of the other small performances that pepper the film. It is a true classic ensemble film. There is no lead, and the film works and is so compelling because the actors are very, very good. Number three, I have, everybody's mentioned it, Fences is a stellar ensemble all around. Obviously, its two main performances are great, but then, of course, you have Yoan Depo, you have Stephen Henderson, you know, I could, I could go on, but everybody's on their A-game in that. Number two, I have Captain Fantastic. There's not a bad performance in the film. The child actors are all uniformly excellent. Vigo is a steen stealer. Um, my mind's blanking at the moment, but the woman who plays the sister-in-law is very good. Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn is excellent. Franklin Gella, you know, I totally sympathize with Frank Langella. On paper, that character seems like he should be a villain, probably, but I completely agreed with his frustration. Excellently acted ensemble. And then finally... Yeah, Langella and Dowd are great. Yeah, Dowd is, all, is always wonderful. Uh, and then finally, Moonlight. Oh my god. For starters, almost all of the actors are unknowns, but everybody is good. Not just the various Sharon characters throughout his life, although all three of them are excellent, but then obviously Mahershala Ali and uh, Naomi Harris and all of the supporting characters. Um, again, I'm concussed. I'm forgetting his name, but the, his love interest in the third chapter, what's the actor's name? Andre Holland. Andre Holland is great. I mean, it is a stunning ensemble. It's a true ensemble. There's no lead performance per se, but everybody's great. And good God, I hope they all have stellar careers lying ahead of them in the future. Yeah, that was my number six. It just missed out, but it was such a good year for actors that something's got to give. Something's got to give. I like that movie. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Will, you mentioned before that everybody's great. Well, my number five is everybody wants some. Did you? Yes, nice. that's a great ensemble. Yep. So I 
don't know if it's a personal thing. I mean, I didn't go to college in the 1980s, but I did go to college and I wasn't in fraternity and I did hang out with uh, some guys that um, – while not jocks in the sense of they were into sports, um, I understood the want and the need to want to be weird in college and experiment and try different things in an effort to try and find out who you are. And I think that that's what these guys do. Um, I think that everybody crafts a very unique type of character. And Zoe Dutch comes in in a movie and is just her lovable, bubbly self. And I absolutely adore She's the her. the best thing about it. Glenn Powell. I, love I think Glenn Powell. Powell is the best thing easily. Um, I preferred him in Hidden Figures. Glenn Powell feels like somebody I know. Like he seems like such a real, the type of person who would be that in college. Oh, uh, me and my roommate, we were rewatching a movie recently and we have a friend who is Glenn Powell oh, in that yeah. movie. He is Those Finnegan. Are the people I run away from. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> we just see him uh, in short, short bursts. We don't like hang out with him for long periods of time. Um, number four is The Witch. Um, Will didn't put it up on his list. I am putting it up on my list because those child actors deserve to be singled out. They are absolutely incredible in this movie. Um, it's not just Alan Taylor, Joy, Ralph Innocent, and Kate Dickey. It's also the other child actors. Harvey that, Scrimshaw. Oh my God, that possession scene is insane. We feel like we're watching stuff that, like, honestly, we shouldn't be watching in this movie because of what these kids are put through. And it feels so real and so intimate and, quite honestly, um, horrifying. It really, really shakes you to the bone. The, the, the dialect is really, really tough to pull off. I mean, they all did a really, really great job of immersing you into that world and that story. Number three is Manchester by the Sea. I mean, if you're praising Casey Affleck, you think Michelle Williams is great, you think Lucas Hedges is great. I mean, you know, it's like that Kyle Chandler is great. Frickin' Matthew Broderick, which is still <laughs> I one of the he was in there. Oh my god. It, it's still one of the moments in the movie where it's like it kind of takes you out of the movie, uh, in my opinion. But um Well, Kenny Lonergan always works with uh, Matthew Broderick yeah. because Broderick's mother, uh taught him uh, or was one of Kenny's professors. Yes, oh, exactly. Okay. I was like, why is Ferris Bueller in this movie? There's a personal relationship there essentially. But Yeah, he was in You Can Count on Me. He was in Margaret. Same with He's, Steven Henderson. Uh, he shows up in all these the- uh, Broadway-based movies. Yeah, that's yeah, he's true. In Manchester. Yeah, yes he is. That's true. Uh, number two, uh, speaking of which, is Fences. Uh, for all the reasons that have been said earlier, it is an acting showcase. How could you not praise the acting in this movie is beyond me. Um, but number one is definitely Moonlight uh, for the reasons that this is an ensemble of mostly unknowns. And it's just rare find after rare find after like, oh, my God, like, how are they able to transport me to these depths? I don't even know who you are, Trevante Rhodes. Like, what is going on here? Um, and then you got Naomi Harris and Mahershala Ali that – give some of the best performances of the year this ensemble truly blew me away when i first saw it back in october and i said that that's easily the best ensemble i will see all year and i maintained that and not that i never gave anything else a chance to necessarily beat it just nothing was in my opinion ever going to beat it (laughs) i think it's one of the best ensembles of the decade frankly uh i would i would um that's that's a tricky one but i i might be willing to say that top 15 at least surely in any event, though, everybody, thank you so much uh, for being here for this episode. We are all going to be coming back next week where we will finally put an end to these awards. 
Week 9, Part 9, the final part, the best and worst of 2016. I think it's going to be heated. I think it's going to be insane, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get out of here, Kristen, where can they find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at Gurney's underscore film. Mike Vermette. You can find me discussing why La La Land is the best ensemble of the year on Twitter <laughs> at VampDT89. I'm I'm very curious to see how many people join you in that. I was going to say, I feel like Mike loses like 30 followers now. <laughs> so he has like two left, yeah, basically. Oh, and then Mike uh, Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Movie and Will Mavity. You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies, and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to part eight of the NBP Film Awards. Like I said, next week is going to be the last. Last, I promise you the last edition of the awards. It's been a long, long recap of the year to get to this point. Maybe some of the lists are predictable. Maybe they're not. I mean, at least our worst of lists should at least uh, inspire some, like I said, heated conversation of some sort. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we will see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.